Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Blog Talk Radio. We are doing part three of our American Cancer Society telethon interviews. Uh, today's interview is going to be with Terry Harden Jackson, who I absolutely love. She's just such a sweet woman, and she's done just like a little bit of everything. She's been a Jim Henson puppeteer. She's worked as an Imagineer, helping with designing of some of the rides. She's a sculptor. She does pumpkins. I mean, she's like a jack of all trades. She does a little bit of everything. So this will be our final interview this week from that particular telethon. We'll do a live show Saturday or Sunday night, and then we'll go back to the interviews next week as well. I'd also like to remind you before I start the interview that uh, we are still taking donations for the American Cancer Society. There's a link on the Blog Talk Radio page. There's a link in the Crazy for Disney group page, the Crazy for Disney podcast page. There's links everywhere. Uh, we're donating a lot of really cool prizes. We still have a lot of great prizes left, including a little prize package from uh, Kevin John, which is very cool, and a really nice Porgs print, very limited edition, an American Cancer Society bag, and we just have, we have tons of stuff to give away, and of course, all the stuff on the podcast that you guys love. So uh, without further ado, here is the interview with Terry Harden-Jackson. How you doing, Terry? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm tired. I'll bet you guys. Are <laughs> We're halfway through. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know Terry Harden Jackson, she's just the sweetest, most amazing woman. She is a former Disney Imagineer. She used to work for the Jim Henson Company. She's a sculptor. She's an author. Is there anything you don't do? It's so funny talking in the past tense. I'm still a Henson puppeteer and I'm still an Imagineer. So Which uh, what I don't do is uh, what don't I do? Jump out of planes. Well, you better start doing that then. <laughs> Where can everybody find you on social media, Terry? 
Well, I'm working on my website, which is terryharden.com. So when you go there, you can sign up for more information. But that's about as far as I've gotten so far. I think it's a little bit challenging for me to write about myself. So uh, it's taking a little longer than expected. But you can find my Terry Facebook, Terry Harden page. That's another great place to find me. 24 Fit Terry on Instagram. And then I don't, I am on Twitter, uh, uh, Terry Forums on Twitter, but I don't necessarily know how to do a lot on Twitter. So Don't you hate all this technology? Like the more you figure out, the more there's is waiting for you. It's, it's always a challenge for me. I'm 61 years old and I look at it like, do I really have to? But it is a, a necessary evil and it does t- take up your time. So I warn people that I don't answer the messenger immediately. I don't necessarily answer your Facebook immediately. I pop in maybe once or twice a week, but I will answer you. So exercise a little patience. I'm an artist and would rather be sculpting under a hot light than uh, than answering, you know, than playing on social media like you guys. I, I really, really love what you guys do. I appreciate uh, that. Everybody says I should do a podcast, and I look at how hard you guys work and go, I don't think that's what I want to do. I would much rather be on and support you. You know, to be honest with you, if you just have a love for something, and I know you love to talk. I've watched your live videos on your Facebook page, and you're always very interesting. So it actually isn't that bad. Once you start it going, you, you find it as like an outlet to get your ideas out. It's almost like you're talking to nobody. Just, you know, look at the camera, look at the microphone, and just get those ideas out. So uh, it, it's not as bad as you think, and I think you'd be perfect for it. Oh, you're very sweet to say that. So maybe, you know, my husband is saying the same thing. And uh, and I said, I just don't – it just seems like a lot, but – you know, having someone like you who's done it for a while, and then your previous guests talking about the Disney nerds, which I had not heard of them. There's so many uh, Disney, and you guys are all so strong. It's very impressive. Well, uh, the unfortunate thing is in the Disney community is that we're not all friendly, and that's the sad part is <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that feel like it's a competition. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you're a sculptor, you don't want to deal with Terry Hart and Jackson or – you're a podcaster. You don't want to deal with these guys. And there's some of us within the Disney community that love everybody. Yeah. So, you know, I want to promote Jimmy Horn and the Disney nerds. I want to promote Chris Salata and the, uh, the behind the years podcast, because we do get along and, and people can listen to more than one podcast. They can deal with one, one more than one Imagineer or one author or whatever. They don't need to just focus on one group. And that's, I think that's an important message to get out there. Well, you're all individuals, as I'm an individual. I don't feel competitive with any other artist. I think that's in your own head and that you are going to be unique unto you in what you deliver and what you create. I mean, you're never going to be able to create stuff like I do because it's me. Not that right. you create, but it's that you're going to create like you create and you should be very happy to share. But there are those, as you said, that are fearful of sharing, and that's just too bad. It's the wrong headspace. It doesn't help you stay creative. So. So, yeah, I've actually found there was a there was a podcast out there that just like outright like was trying to blackball me for a little while, and they're, they're much smaller than us. So I, I thought it was funny. Like, why would you go and try to blackball me when I could actually get you some listeners? So oh I, I just don't understand that mindset. That's really funny because you know here here's an example. You know, blah blah blah, they're horrible. You know, crazy for Disney, and blah blah blah, crazy for Disney, and negative negative negative, crazy for Disney. The key here is that they're naming your web your podcast. <laughs> over and over and over again. Therefore, free advertising for you. So Wasn't that what they said? Any press is good press? Yeah, well, because people are like, why would you go on, on any social media 
and be hateful. We don't like it. I think the majority of the people are like, no, thank you. I don't want to listen. I got enough of that in the real world. I don't need to hear someone hating on another person. That's my well, that's- Anyway. That's something I gotta ask you about. Like on your personal page, because you do a lot of your you know, your advertising on your personal page. One thing I do notice in the Disney community is you would love to think that it's all pixie dust and wonderment, but I mean there is a lot of negativity. Do you run into any of that on your personal page? Sometimes I will. Uh, luckily, I have a wonderful personal assistant. I think one of the things that makes me rather uh, giggle a bit is I get a lot of marriage proposals, and I get a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot there of. There you go, guys. Get those marriage proposals out there. <laughs> I got a lot of people asking for, for money. You know, I'm trying to get get across the great divide. Can you pay for it or whatever? And then I just, ask, I just asked Gary to take care of it because, of course, I can't do that. There's, there's, you know, I'm happily married and and uh, it, it says so on my, my page and stuff. And I just say, you know, if you want to chat and you want to stay upbeat, I'm more than happy to share with you how to become an Imagineer, art questions, let you know when something is coming up that I'm doing or selling. But, you know, if it's going to be negative, 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 I just, I don't pay attention to it. I won't even acknowledge it because I don't want to give you that advertising. You know, yeah, because your page you is phenomenal. I, I love Thank looking you. at your page and just uh, your live videos and your pictures from the past. I mean, I thumb through them all the time. And the one thing I came across, I don't even know if I told you I was going to discuss, was uh, did you work on the Ghostbusters? Absolutely, I did. It was my second <laughs> film ever. ever. Wow. We want to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, what, what involvement did you have in that movie? Well, Ghostbusters came on the heels of Dune. I originally built the still suits with a huge team of people for the movie Dune. And Dune was supposed to be this spectacular film. Frank Herbert was there. It was going to be a series of three films. And then the De Laurentiis changed their mind and made it all in one film, which actually didn't really do it justice. And, you know, we continued. We had all this footage. So after that, I was invited to go... Um, audition for the main terror dog that Sigourney Weaver turns into in Ghostbusters. Right. So I, I went down there and for anyone who this question, when somebody asks you, if you were to puppeteer this monster dog, could you make it more feminine? And the answer is yes. <laughs> I don't care what you're thinking. The answer is right. yes. So I said yes and uh, performed it and they liked it and they gave me that part. And then from there, I helped Bill Bryant, the designer of the Marshmallow Man, uh, sculpt Marshmallow Man for the film and also perform the face of the Marshmallow Man. And then I was on Team Librarian Ghost. So uh, puppeteers are always a team. So we we were, you know, together working it at that time. Cable operated, all practical. Great fun, wonderful, super, super exciting, super lovely Uh we were what's Warner Brothers now was Columbia Studios, and I went on the set for the first day, and uh, I saw Bill Murray, and I was very excited. And I ran up to Bill Murray, and I said, "Oh my God, I loved you in Caddyshack," and he gave me this look like, "Caddyshack? What?" <laughs> and, I, and I had this big smile. Right. <laughs> I love you. I love you. And he said. Uh, what about Saturday Night Live? And I said, I don't own a television set. Never seen it. And he got this face. <gasps> what? What? Dan! He called Dan Aykroyd over. Dan! I met someone who was born under a rock! <laughs> and I just, my eyes were really big. And Dan Aykroyd came over with his face. Kind of a, I've always thought of him as sort of a Stan Laurel kind of a guy. Right. And, uh, 
he came over and, and Bill Murray said, she hasn't seen Saturday Night Live. This is not acceptable. We cannot have somebody working on Ghostbusters that is not, doesn't even know what Saturday Night, what we do on Saturday Night Live. And I started to get afraid. And I started to live. <laughs> and I started, You're in trouble. And, and, and Dan looks over and he can see me just kind of falling apart. And he says, oh, my God, you think we're going to fire you? I'm like, well, 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 aren't you? I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> and they said, no, no, no. And one picked me up by one arm. The other picked me up by the other arm. And they threw me in a golf cart and took me to see three Saturday Night Lives. Now, That's awesome. How many people say they watch Saturday Night Live with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd? Now, imagine you're driving in this golf cart and they go, we're taking you to see this because it is unacceptable. And in your head, you're going, please, God, laugh. Please, God, laugh. Please, God. <laughs> you just because laugh regardless. From being between the two main people of Saturday Night Live and not laughing. But luckily, I did laugh. And uh, I saw Cheeseburger, 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 uh, Land Shark, and Samurai Delicatessen. So my Which favorite, are all great ones. Yeah, my favorite was Land Shark. And to this day, I still laugh because I remember sitting between them. So that was a... That was an extra special thing that happened. And I think when I talk about Ghostbusters, most people know about the movie and things pertaining to the movie. What they don't know is some of the joys and wonders of being a part of that film behind the scenes, you know? Right. So not only did I get to play this character, and it was a lot of fun, I was strapped in a stuntman's harness 40 feet in the air doing the, one of the Ghost or Gazarian terror dogs. Um, most fun ever. But, That's awesome. You know, it was around Christmas, and Sigourney Reaver walked around in a beautiful plaid coat and offered us cookies her mother had baked. Us, baked. Aww. So just just things that, that I like to tell people that are a little different than what you might read on Wikipedia page. Well, we had mentioned that you were also working for Jim Henson. Uh, how old were you when you started with Jim Henson? Well, I met I'm, – I'm not going to do the math. I'm 61 years old now, but in 1982, I met uh, Jim Henson in New York when I was flown over to do a Chicken McNugget commercial. So for those of you who were around in the 80s and you remember these little McNuggets that you... Oh, the little puppet McNuggets. I remember those. Yeah, so I built and and performed a lot of them for a company here called a very talented puppeteer named Tony Urbano. And we did them, and then later they were taken over by the very first CG or computer-generated nuggets. They went to computer-generated later in life. But for a long time, they were puppets, as you know, so... Right. uh, Yeah, so we flew to New York to do a show, and Tony asked me if I would go to opera, and I had never been to opera and didn't think I would like it very much, honestly. I'm a young kid. I don't remember. I was in my early 20s, I think. And I said, well, I'll go, but I want to go see Jim Henson Studios called Hawk in New York. And Tony said, fair enough. I don't know if you'll get to meet Jim. I said, what I really want to do is tour the puppet studio because I couldn't figure out how Miss Piggy and Bunsen and Honeydew and those characters were made. I knew. Now, were you a puppeteer at the time? Oh, yes. I've been a puppeteer since I was about six. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And it's because I was bullied a lot. So I created a puppet. The first one was Lamb Chop to be my little confidant. And uh, if I couldn't talk to my parents directly, I would talk to my puppet. So it was kind of a secondary thing. And then in, in, I wanted to be an actress. No one liked the way I look. White kid with hair like this. And, uh, I love your hair. Oh, thank you. Now, now they do. You know, it's a funny thing about <laughs> Only that. I could have that. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about God, you say, please make me marry Tyler Moore, and instead he makes everybody love the way you look. So, okay. Right. You know? 
that's his uh, that's his uh, prerogative. But the point is, is that at the time it was not very cool to, to look like me, and and a lot of kids, you know, set my hair on fire in the eighth grade and stuff like this. But I had these characters that I could create that I didn't need to be seen. Puppet stone, right. you know, you can be ageless, you can do it forever and ever, and it was. And it almost makes you more creative. Yeah, great outlet. I built them, so I wanted to go see Jim Henson Studios and find out how they built those characters. And Jim saw me. I actually met Jim Henson at that point, and he automatically came over because at the time there were three women to every 30 men puppeteers. And that's because a lot of women wear makeup, and you're most of the time under the floor, not on it. But, you know, so as a puppeteer, you're, you're inside seats instead of sitting on seats. You're inside boxes instead of outside boxes. So he automatically gravitated toward me, and before I left, a note was slipped into my pocket sort of covertly, and then he called me and asked me if I'd moved to New York. And I said, no. That's right, folks. I said, no. And it was no, because I... Jim Henson? Yeah. Jim Henson was not happy either that I said <laughs> no. And he was shocked. He was like, I thought you wanted to work for me. And I said, well, I can work with you and not be in New York. And he says, who says? And I said, Steve Whitmire lives in Baltimore. And Kevin Clash, who does... Elmo, et cetera, et cetera, lives. And I named all these places, Atlantic City and Dave Gold, Gonzo lives in California. So that's what I want to do. I want to work for you where I work best, and that's California. So in 89, when he uh, struck a deal with Disney, he called me on the phone and said, uh, I've struck a deal with Disney. I need people to audition for Muppet 3D Theater, and you're going to be one of them. And oh, so you're, said, you had hand in the Muppet 3D Theater? Yes, I did a lot of Muppet 3D Theater. That's but awesome. The thing was, Jim said, you better be good or I'll embarrass you. You'll not <laughs> you're going to be so embarrassed because of what you did to me in 82. And I said, okay. So so that's how we got together. Muppet 3D was the first. And then I went on to do Dinosaurs. Um, when Jim passed away, it was devastating for me. I thought not only was I did I lose a great collaborator, that was it. No more Henson. And Jim had talked with his son, Brian. And the next thing you know, I was up for Dinosaurs and did that show for four years and have been going ever since. And the way most of these industries work out here in California is you're not retained. They don't keep you on retainer. They just call you when they want something. And that's the way I am as an Imagineer now. Um, Disney will call if they're in a bind and need something finished quickly. They'll call me up and say, come for a week or two. And then when I'm done, they say, get away, get away, get away. (laughs) (laughs) We've had enough of you. Back of the box, kid. (laughs) But that allows you to say Imagineer because you never know when you're actually going to be an active or a standby Imagineer. <laughs> well, I've got to ask you about one particular thing as an Imagineer. I was looking through your pictures, and I believe I saw you sculpting the model for the mountains of um, Big, Big Thunder Mountain. Yes, that's what I was brought in on. It took a long time to become an Imagineer. It was my, one of my dream jobs, if my dream job. And uh, finally they hire me, you know. When you and I have more time to talk, we won't be so cliff notes. But let's just say, after a while, they finally hired me, and that was my first project, was Big Thunder Mountain. And it is the best one because it's in Paris. And the second reason it's the best one is because you go, you board it on the mainland, and then you go underneath the water and come up on an island and ride it. And it's just That's very cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to 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 do that. Now, so do they give you like specifics? Do they tell you this is exactly what they want, or do they give you a little bit of leeway and you have a little bit of imagination on what you want to do as well? Well, the first thing you do is you toured a big thunder that was made, and at that point, the only one was the one in LA, I mean, in Anaheim. We right. looked at that and they said we want it similar uh, 
to this. So meaning you are going to use those rocks, that, that example of rock. So you weren't going to, you know, divert and make, make it shale or something else. You were actually going to make it close to that one. But it was a much different platform, so you could play with what buttes you were going to do, a main butte, and then you could kind of, it's an island, so you had all of this flexibility. And then at the time, we had the ability to do a couple other things that were really fantastic. But Michael Eisner was there at the time, and he kept taking from the parks to uh, finance his Hollywood pictures. So you'd walk in with one budget, and then the next day he would, and then you go, and they go, you have to take something off. We were doing this beautiful attraction, and then they go, well, something has to get lost because uh, he's cut the budget. They build a out of foam core uh, the building, so that lets you know that you don't breach the building because inside is the actual ride. So right. You can do all the rocks above it, and some sculptors thought rockwork was very boring. Rockwork is very challenging. It's not boring. It's amazing. You can't attack it like you would any other sculpture that you do. It's very different. Well, it looks amazing because, it, I mean, I've only been on the one at Disney World, but when you go through there, you just assume that's all real rock. That's something exactly. that's sculpted or come up with. So for you guys to come up with something that's so amazing to kind of get you out of the reality, that's really cool. And how fun to learn something like that. You know, do, you know, when you sculpt rocks, you go about halfway through and then you stop. If you over-sculpt it, it looks fake and phony. And you also cannot sculpt like horse head rock or papoose rock or duck rock because that that always looks phony and fake. No matter how hard you try, you just can't duplicate that. That kind of is a God is God moment. You got to back off of it and move on. But right. uh, it, it, it was a wonderful uh, place for me to be when I started out because it really made my mind think differently. And I am always grateful to learn anything different about sculpting that I possibly can or about art in general. So well, speaking of sculpting, and I didn't know this about you, I when I was supposed to have you on months ago on the podcast, and I really just wasn't happy with the format and how to do it. And I just I didn't think it would be good at the time. So I put it off for a little bit and I apologize. But as I was looking through your you know, studying your life and things you've done in the past, I come across your uh, pumpkin sculptures. Yeah. What got you started on that? Well, here's the thing. I read a newspaper article. I was living in a small apartment in North Hollywood, California, and I come across an article where there's a guy doing these really cool sculptures with, with pumpkins. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is, I wonder if I could do that. He was using wood carving tools. Well, it was November 1st, so I ran down to my, my market, and I noticed that they had tons of pumpkins for free because it's November 1st. Nobody wants them after that. And I grabbed a few, and then I bought a $5, because that was his big uh, claim, was $5 kit helps you to carve amazing pumpkins. And here's one. That's very cool. Wow. You can see this one. Um, anyway, so uh, I started doing it with those tools, and I, and I kept cutting myself. And I said, these wood tools are ridiculous. What the hey? Here's another. Here's the big claim of fame here. That's awesome. Wow. So, so how did I, so carving them, I decided to use a, a ceramic sculpting tool, which is a loop with an edge, and I, much easier to sculpt it. And then I went to a Disney group like you guys. So let's say I was in your area, and I happened to say, hey, guys, if you want to have me come out and teach you how to sculpt pumpkins, 10 people, 
each paying about a hundred bucks, I can get it there and, you know, or, or 60 bucks plus a pumpkin. But basically you get the pumpkins, the group together and I'll go and I'll teach you. I learned this because there was a Disney group here called the once upon a classic group. And they actually asked me to do this for them. And what it taught me was that it helped people learn that they were artists. So it helped them to understand that you just need someone who's going to support you to help you understand anyone as creative, but you need that support in order to take that chance. And a pumpkin really became the bridge. So that's why I started teaching classes because people just, some people go on to write books. Some people go on to entertain. Some people have gone on to do podcasts because all of a sudden they say, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm super, I am creative. I, I did this myself and Oh my gosh, I never thought I could. And you say, you know, you just needed someone, a good person in your ear. And if I got you at my table for two hours, that's all you're going to get. It's that positive reinforcement instead of being told, you know, why you and a million people, you know, every time someone's turning around and saying something to shoot it down, people out there right. specifically to shoot you down. And then people will ask those people. Don't ask those because that, that, that's just not good for you. It's life is too short. So, so. Yeah, well, that's how Pumpkin started, was that I started sculpting them, and then people said, would you teach us? And I said, of course, I'll teach you. I'd love to teach you. Well, I've I've done a couple pumpkins that are, you know, I don't go for just the the triangle eyes. I do a couple creative things for my daughter, but then I see the stuff you do, and I'm like, oh, my God, my pumpkin sucks. (laughs) So it's really amazing work. Seriously, piece of cake, uh, seriously easy to do. Um, But you just need somebody to say you can do it. You'd be surprised, because if you're going for something other than triangle eyes, nose, and mouth, you're already halfway there. And then people who do triangle eyes, nose, and mouth, just getting, saying, I want to join your class and do it um, is enough to get you, is to get you started because I'll be there. I've never had anyone throw a pumpkin out and say, this is garbage. I'm done. You know, because they, it's, it's not that I, three steps and it's just like a dance. One, two, three, one, two, three, you do it over and over and I show you how to do it. Anything from I ask you to do a face usually first, and that way you can just be have, be free and have fun and do it. But, you know, a lot of the Disney people want to do characters, and I'll help you with that, too. I, I'm not going to tell you you can't. Right. I now, I know you also do small sculptures of uh, Disney characters that you sell on your site, correct? Yep. It's, well, website, I also have an online store, which I could actually uh, send to you if you want to, you know, post it later. But I do have an online store. Uh, I have characters like this. This is Stitch. So the box, oh awesome! And, you know, and then he peeks at you from. I have about five of him left. I thought I only had one left, and then I found five I hadn't painted. So I'm in the process of painting them now. And then, I didn't realize you painted them because I saw your Jiminy yeah. Cricket, and the Jiminy Cricket was just sculpted; it wasn't painted yet. So here, here they are all painted, and you can see. That's awesome. And you can see they're not that big. So if you are one of those people that's on a shelf that, you know, you collect a lot of these characters. Um, they fit on your shelf. And this is because collectors asked me to do this. Now, this is the one you mentioned, Jiminy Cricket. Yep. I still have about 20 of him left. And uh, he comes in this cute little box. I always design the box to sort of theme because I think the detail is good. So he's got the Wish Upon a Star wrapping paper here. That's awesome. See, there's the star. And then he has him. So he didn't get to see him painted, so here he is painted. Oh, that's incredible looking. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. 
Now this this one has 35 different colors, so I have a team of painters. I have two painters, so they actually did this one because this is a lot more ornate uh, paint job. But collectors asked if they could have the hobo Jiminy because they had not been able to find him. And then what's interesting is Disney, right after that, I, Disney picked up one of my Jiminy's, and then the next thing you know, they came out with one. So uh, this, you could say, oh, rats, they came out with one. But the collectors can say, woohoo, now where I had one, I have two. And then this is the latest. This is Baby Groot. Everybody loves oh, Baby Groot. Love it. Like a plant <laughs> top bow and a biodegradable box because Groot would never travel in anything less. That's true. <laughs> and then you open it up, and it just has this real pretty green tissue paper that if I do it right, it sort of pops out like leaves. And then this is Groot, and I have about uh, five of him left before he's uh, so. That's adorable. So all these different characters that you have up on your website, these are all sculpted by you personally? Yes, and uh, I don't have them on my website yet. I have them in my store, my online square store. And the reason for that is, again, because my website needs to get is in the process of getting updated. I won't bore you with the tawdry details, but I had some challenges. <laughs> originally with a website. So I just did the stores. I, I've had people like you guys who said, go live. And if you watch my very first live video on Facebook, it's hilarious. I mean, I think it gets a lot of views because it's so silly. I just jumped on it. I felt so I'm on, I'm this way. Right. <laughs> At least you're on there. I didn't realize you turned the phone. And then I spent the first two minutes of it like this wondering if I was live, and I asked, am I live? So it's just, I feel that anyone who wants to go live, just do it, because if I can yep. do it, anyone can do it, you know. Please do me a favor, Terry, and give me all that information so I can get it up later after the show so people I can will. find your stuff. Um, I've got time for one more question. Yeah, is it, it, message it you with that information? What's that? Should I send it to you via Facebook message? You can yeah. send me Facebook message, or you have my email now, too. You can email it to okay. me. Okay, I'll do both. Uh, the last question I have for you today is from my daughter. She's getting a question in for everybody. Hey. She wants to know if you remember the first thing you ever sculpted. Gosh, yes. Um, and what's your daughter's name? Maya. Maya. What a great question. Okay, <laughs> Maya, are you ready? This, you, you don't realize what a good question you asked. Uh, the first thing I sculpted was dog poop. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to love that right? answer. <laughs> I tell people, I'll sculpt anything, and obviously I did. It was the very first thing I was asked to do, and uh, I said, okay. And the whole study is the same way, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> well, we're out of time, Terry. I really appreciate you coming on, and we're going to get you on again real soon because I've got a ton of stuff to oh talk about. So interesting. Can you uh, let everybody know what your website is one more time before we go? My website is terryharden.com. Don't be surprised when you can't find anything on it other than a sign-up page because it is in progress. But my Facebook page, Facebook Cherry Harden page, is full of stuff. Feel free to like it. Feel free to be a part of it. And I'll do more and more and more as I go. Uh, but you can find me through there. Uh, if you like Instagram, if you prefer Instagram, Facebook is my stomping ground. But if you want to do Instagram, it's uh, uh, 24, the number 24, Fit Terry. You'll find me there. And then I do have a Twitter page if you tweet, but I don't tweet much, so don't expect an answer much because I don't know how to operate it. <laughs> That's great. Thank yeah. you again, Terry, for everything. I appreciate you taking the time out to be with us, and we will have you on again real soon. 
And this is a really great cause you guys are doing. I'm very excited for you. I was more than happy to help you promote it, keep keep up the good work. And I look forward to when we, you know, have a chance to talk at length later. But it was great that you thought of me, and I appreciate you having me on to uh, help support your cause. Thanks, Thank again, Terry. So we'll much, see you Terry. again soon, guys. That's Terry Harden Jackson. Go check her out. See you later, Terry. Bye. So that's the interview with Terry. What a uh, a fascinating woman she is. I totally geeked out over the Ghostbuster stuff because, yes, I am big time into Disney and Star Wars. Obviously, you guys all know that, but the Ghostbusters is a pretty close third. So I had a really great time interviewing Terry, and we'll have her on again real soon so we can kind of talk to her at length. Uh, I apologize. With all these interviews, they were actually done live on video first. So there's a little bit of stuff you don't get if we're answering like a question that popped up on the screen or if somebody's showing us something. So I apologize for that, but they, they are really good interviews, and I had a good time doing them. I'll remind you guys one more time before we go. Uh, make sure you check out our link for the American Cancer Society. Get those donations in. We're continuing to take donations, and we're also giving away prizes to random donators. So make sure you get those in as soon as possible. Also on the Blog Talk Radio link for this interview, you can see Terry, Jack, Terry Harden-Jackson's a Facebook link, and her website. Make sure you check those out as well because she's got some really cool stuff to see. I mean, she's she's a fascinating woman. So with that, I will see you guys later and uh, have a good weekend. Bye, guys.